that for this moment and this time we would be in this place and that we would be able to open your word. God, we ask you to be our translator. We ask you to be the one that interprets meaning. We ask you to be the one that gives us wisdom and knowledge and um, an application, God, how we can take this truth that you preserved through time, God, so that we could open it up today and receive it. Lord, I do pray that we will not just be people who hear the word, but we will be people who do the word. God, we know that it's a supernatural transaction where you take who you are and through your Holy Spirit, you impart it to us. And so we thank you for that gift. We receive it. And God, we pray that we will be good stewards with it and that we truly will live for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we've got our Bibles. We're going to open them up to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Last week we looked at um, Ephesians 6, 1, 2, 3, and 4 with emphasis on 1, 2, and 3. Today we're going to look at Ephesians 6, 1, 2, 3, and 4 with an emphasis on verse 4 um, and understanding that. So let's just go ahead and read it and then we'll have some conversation and, and see how um, God chooses to bring it to light in our lives today. First of all, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with, commandment with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. One of the things that we've started on Wednesday night is we've begun to look at the book of Genesis. And last week we looked in the book of Genesis not just at the fact of creation, but we looked at the purpose of creation. And we allowed the prophet Isaiah to help us understand some very important things there. That the purpose of creation, all of creation, is for us, the creation, um, is to bring glory to the creator. That we are alive for the purpose of bringing honor to him. Now, here's the fact that Paul has taught us up to this point in talking about relationships. He says, in how you relate to one another... In unity, bring glory to the Lord. Husbands, how you relate to your wife as Christ related to the church, bring glory to the Lord. Wives, as you relate to your husbands as, um, as the church related to Christ, bring glory to the Lord. Children, as you honor and obey your parents, then what I want you to do is relate to them in such a way as to bring glory to the Lord. And then today he says to dads, fathers, do not exasperate. My children's favorite verse in the whole Bible do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the admonition and the instruction of the Lord. In other words, the whole purpose is to bring glory to God. Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, the first line in the book says, Life is not about you. And let me tell you, that is a battle. It is a battle that needs to be fought every day, sometimes every moment, that I don't make life about me or you don't make life about you, but you make it about the object of life, God, and bringing glory to Him. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7 said, Bring my son from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, 
whom I formed and made. In Genesis, it said that, that God created us in His image. Now, the purpose of an image is to reflect. If we're created in the image of God, the purpose of life is for us to reflect God. We reflect Him in our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors. We reflect Him in our disciplines and other things of life. Now, one of the great tragedies of creation was the fall. And after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, the Scripture says that sin nature inhabited every one of us. In fact, Paul would have said in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are falling short of how, why God created us. And yet we are, know that by Scripture we were created by Him for His glory. And so what do we need to do? We need to come back to the point of what he's encouraging fathers to do here is in the admonition and the instruction of the Lord, and we come to Him. We follow Him. We obey Him. Now, the only way to come to God and bring glory to God in a fallen world is to come through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 5, 8 would say that while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were still not capable of bringing glory to God, that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And whoever believes in Him does not perish, but they have everlasting life. In other words, you've been given the ticket to bring glory to God. And you do that by surrendering, submitting to God through Christ. Now, if we, fallen humanity, are created to bring glory to God, that's why we exist, if we know that sin keeps us from bringing glory to God, we know that we must give our hearts to Christ, surrender our lives to Christ. That's the only way we can. At any moment that we're not surrendered, and I'm going to tell you the key word in verse 4 is the word Lord, Yahweh. If we're not under the Lordship of Christ, then we are distorting the image of God. Now, we had this conversation Wednesday night. We can't distort God because He's the Creator. But we can distort His image and in that how we people perceive Him. If Gail says that I'm a follower of Christ and she goes out and does not live as a follower of Christ, then people's perception of God would be distorted. God's not, but the image is. And so what we want to do is to learn how. And what Paul has done in this, in this section on relationships is he said, as you relate to one another, be united. As husbands, as you relate to your wife, do it like Christ would the church. Wives, relate to your husbands as the, um, the church would relate to Christ. Children, relate to your parents and obey them, honor them. And then he says, dads, I've got a task for you. Don't exasperate your children. But again, let's go back and read verse 4. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now again, I contend the key word in here is the word Lord. Because if I don't understand the word Lord, then I can't understand the instruction and the admonition. So I've got to get an understanding of that. And so Lord is an extremely exalted title. Paul uses it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, God has highly exalted Him, that's Christ, given Him, Christ, a name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. Now we're back to the purpose of creation, that everybody should, and one day everybody will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of to the glory of God the Father, the, the, the best choice is to do it now. Because you now can do it, and you can receive Him as Savior, you can receive Him in your life, and you can have blessing. But if I want to understand what He's telling us to do here, we do need to understand Lord. And Lord means King of the universe, absolute ruler. Of the, over all the world. It means the commander of the armies of heaven. It means that he reigns forever. He is triumphant over sin and death and Satan and hell. He will one day establish his kingdom on earth and reign forever to the glory of his Father. In other words, he is the supreme. And that we as the created are to come to him in total surrender and say, you are the all in all and I give all of me to all of you and I trust you to guide my life. I trust you in the valley. I praise you on the mountaintop. I praise you in the difficulty. I praise you in my grief. I praise you in my shortcomings. And I praise you in my strength. He is God. And we are told as parents to bring our children up in a way that they understand life's not about them. That there is one over them that is supreme. And they need to pay homage to him in how they live how they respond, and how they treat other people. To confess that Jesus is Lord means that you believe that He will triumph over all things. He's not a small-town God. He is the God, the only God, the one supreme God. He's more powerful than any world leader that has ever lived or ever will live. He will come in triumph. And when He comes... He will just be just as visible and real as your football team's most proud moment yesterday. Yeah. If they had one. But he will still be supreme. Only his audience will be bigger. His band will be louder. His cheerleaders will be deafening. And his light will shine from one horizon to the other. That's Him. And the Scripture says to teach our children to follow Him as Lord. Therefore, with that said, I conclude whatever else it means to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, it means this. To bring them up to surrender to the Lord. It means to bring them up to know that God's way is best. It means to bring them up to find their place in the work of Christ. It means to bring them up to see their entire life is to glorify Christ. To bring them up to serve others. To bring them up to know that the path of sin is a dead-end street, no matter how many cool and famous people are on it. It means to honor Him. The family is God's launching pad for life. And I have to tell you, I love being a dad. I love being a grandfather. I love the fact that God has entrusted to Gail and I, Dallas and Davis and now Chase, to teach them how to be young men and young women 
that honor and know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. I enjoy the fact that we get to instruct them in the ways of God. I, get to, I enjoy the fact that now as they get older, we get to see them live out the faith that has been instilled in them since childhood. I enjoy watching them squirm when they realize they've blown it and God brings them back. Yesterday, or the other night, we called Davis's house and his friend didn't know he was on the phone with his dad and his friend said something in the background and Davis turned around and said, Dude, it's my dad on the phone. <laughs> I love those moments because it's there that you see that life is real and God is working in their lives. I love being that person. I love that God's entrusted that to us. I love the fact that the foundation for faith is Christ and teaching them those things. I love to help them understand that it is in Christ alone that they have life. Have y'all ever heard the term helicopter parent? You know what those are? They like hover over everything, right? Well, there's a new term out. It's called a lawnmower parent. Do y'all know what that is? You mow down every obstacle in their life. You mow it down so that they never have to stress. You get ahead of them when they're wrong and you mow down the obstacles because nobody should question your baby. Or if they're about to have to struggle financially, you say, oh, that's okay, honey, here. And they never learn. That is not a biblical principle, by the way. You don't walk behind them and clean it up. You don't walk in front of them and mow down all the things that could be in front of them. You walk beside them. The foundation of the family is Christ. We get the opportunity to teach that. Um, we get to train them. The training ground for Christian belief and behavior. It's in the home. It's where we do it. It's the boot camp for equipping young children to survive in a world opposed to Christ. It's the fortress of protection and the hospital for healing. It's the launching pad for the gospel to go across the street and around the world. Mom and dad, listen to me. Grandparents, listen to me. Your children need to strive, the Bible says, to seek first the kingdom of God. It means to go and look and seek and serve. We need to teach our children that the greatest thing they can do in life is to serve other people. To serve God first, other people following that. We need to teach them that the foundation of serving others is the foundation of what Christ did on the cross for, on our behalf. It is in the family that faith is built. It's in the family dads that they see you um, living it out. It's in the family that they see you apologize when you blow it. It's in the family that they learn how to relate and to go through relationship struggles. One of the best things that your children can do is to see you apologize to someone else when you mess up. And Paul is telling us, fathers, do not exasperate. Fathers, do not provoke this. It's instilling a vision for God's glory. You see, your children will not wake up in the morning and just automatically say, I'm going to live for God's glory. The Scripture says, train up the child in the way he should go so that when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
You train them to be in the Word. You train them to be in prayer. You teach them to and train them to love their neighbor. You teach them and show them and train them that when they go through adversity that God can receive glory and that they can be lifted up. You train them to understand that the Bible is God's Word. You train them to see that prayer is how we communicate. You train them to understand that church is just not a necessary evil so we can say we did it on Monday. But it is the huddle where we learn to call the plays of life so that we can survive Monday through Saturday. That's what he's teaching us here in this passage. Fathers, do not exasperate. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But what does he mean? How can we even break it down more than that? It doesn't mean that we don't ever cross their will. Sometimes one of the best things that you can do for your children is cross their will. Because if all you do is teach them that they said it, they want it, they get it, guess what happens when they're out from under your roof? They are despicable little heathens that nobody wants to be around because all they think is it's my way and anybody that doesn't do it their way has to hit the highway. You understand that? I love my mom. But I think sometimes my mom was a lawnmower mom. And so that when I got out of high school and I went to college and there wasn't the same level of looking after Chris, I was lost. And we need to learn how to do that. You not, it doesn't mean that you never tell them no. In fact, let's practice right now. Hey, Mama, can I? Hey, Daddy, can I? Was that so hard? It actually felt okay, didn't it? Yes. We want to teach them that no is an okay word. We don't give them everything they want to keep them happy. Anger comes from feeling that a parent's rules are petty and trivial. In all if all you do with your rules is to protect your comfort, your children are not going to understand it. You've got to help them understand the purpose of the rule is to teach them to live for the vision and the glory of God. And when you can instill in them the greater purpose, it doesn't mean it's going to be all roses. There will be some moments where they will still get angry, but you teach the greater purpose. Your life exists to bring glory to God. And that when you tell them, no, it's not just so that they are the only child that doesn't get to, which, by the way, I think is the biggest lie kids sell. Everybody else is doing it. Nine out of ten surveys tell me that's not a true statement. That more or not, and more would, if one would stand up. You may be able to be the backbone for the parent that's struggling. Cord of three strands, not easily broken. Moses' hands fall and the people of Israel began to lose. And Aaron and Hur come alongside and say, let's hold his hands up and the victory's won. It may be that parents are not feeling engaged because they're just overwhelmed. Well, what if we like formed a secret society? You know what I'm talking about, parent society. 
Okay, and let's get off to the side and let's make like this big old pact. We're not going to let our children have any fun. No, don't do that. No. That would be awful. But what if we really did form an alliance that said we're going to teach our children and grandchildren that the point of life is the glory of God? What if we're going to recognize that some days in parenting and grandparenting are the hardest day of your life because sometimes no to them means no to you? And that the best gift we can give them is to see we can't, we don't, because God is bigger, God is greater, God is more important. And we want to serve Him. And if everybody does it, what if they're right, actually? What if everybody does it and it is counter to God? Then we're going to do it because there's a vision there of bringing glory to God the Father. Because that's why we were created in the image of God, to reflect God so that people would be drawn to God, that people would know God. Parents who don't see discipline as part of some great vision of what their children might become for God will wind up using discipline to increase their own comfort. And they will become, your children will become angry. So what are the steps? What are the steps to instill this vision where Paul says to instruct your children in training and admonition of the Lord. You see, when you use the Lord, the word Lord in a Hebrew context, they would not even put all the letters there. In fact, for Yahweh, they would put YWH. It was respect. It was honor. When you said Lord, they didn't say have mercy after it. They said Lord and they were in awe of who He was, of His righteousness, of His holiness, of His majesty. And He says, I want you to instruct them in that they understand who Yahweh is. And I, would, I think the truth is that there becomes moments that we look for the profound at the expense of the simple, and the simple is all we need. So what would be a step? The first one, be a real Christian. Make God a, rele a relevant part of your family. Invite Him to be a part of the inner workings of your home. Invite Him to be a part of time decisions, financial decisions, entertainment decisions, relationship decisions. Don't make him irrelevant for most of life. Do not relegate him to Sunday morning behavior and habit. But make him a part of life that every day your children, your grandchildren know that he is God. They see it in how you respond to other people. They see it in how you say no to temptation. Side note. Pastor, I agree, but you don't know where I've been and you don't know who I am and you don't know what I'm facing. That is the wonder of the relationship over religion. You can tell God it's a struggle. You can confess to God the sin. You can come to Him in repentance and say, Father, forgive me, cleanse me, 
you can look at him and say, God, that is exactly what I want. And it's what I want every moment until the decision comes. And that is when I lose it. God, would you make me strong? God, would you forgive me? God, would you cleanse me? You make him a part of your life. If we do this, kids will see this. And they'll draw the conclusion that it does matter. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I think one of the things that um, middle school and high, high school FCA has taught us is that children are begging for an authority that loves them for something more than self-promotion. They're looking for a figure or figures that will step into their life and be consistent. They're looking for people that will draw boundaries for them. Past the tantrum, past the odd behaviors, past the insecurities, and even on the other side of the failures. They're looking for the adults that will stand up and adult in their lives. They want to see real faith. They don't want to talk, hear us talk about bless the Lord and then our lives are totally contrary to the scripture and to the teaching of God. They want to see people who put faith in it and then put action to the faith. Faith without works is dead is what James said. That's what they're looking for. They won't like me if I do this. It is not your job to be liked by your children. The scripture says, and it says, nowhere in there do this so your kids will like you. The scripture says, do this so they'll fear God. And in a fear of God, they're going to understand children, honor, and obey your parents. And then you'll have a different relationship. But let's just say they don't like you. Should you throw it out the door? No, you should keep on honoring God because God's will and way is best. So be a real Christian. Pray. That's obvious. Psalm 32.11 says, I'm sorry, let's don't do a be a real Christian. Let's be happy first. Is that right? No, let's pray first. I just somehow left that off in my notes. Let's pray first. It's going to your closet and praying for your children. Not literally your closet, but that private place where you go and you cry out to God on their behalf. It is going to them and saying, God, here they are. Give me wisdom. God, here they are. Make them strong. God, here they are. Change the situation. But it's not just going to God on their behalf. It's then going to them and teaching them how to pray. So how would that look like? At the early stages of life, it may look like this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. It may be that simple. As it progresses, it may be teaching them how to say, Dear God, thank you for this day. 
Dear God, please help me. Dear God, forgive me for my sin. Dear God, help me to make wise choices in school. And you may even have to feed it to them word for word. And then one day they're going to bow their head and say something and you're going to go, how in the world and where did that come from? It comes from Ephesians 6, 4. Teach them, admonish them, instruct them in the Lord. Will it happen overnight? No. But consistent living will raise up children that know how. Now, here's a fact. They still have a free will. They can still choose their own way. You can do it all just right, and they can still make a choice, and you're going, how did that happen? I thought God said. It is never futile to serve God and obey His way. And you may have to pray for your children till the day you die. But don't neglect the instruction of what he's teaching us in Ephesians 6, 4. So he says to us, or one of the practical steps is be a real Christian. It, uh, one of the steps is um, to demonstrate the importance of the Bible. Don't use your Bible just as a paperweight to keep the papers from falling in the floorboard when you slam on brakes. Open it up. Read it. Let them see you read it. Let them know that you know what it says. Don't use it just to, only to beat them over the head, but use it to instruct them and to show them the ways of God. Let them hear from you that the Bible matters. Demonstrate the importance of your faith by example. By your example, your children would be compelled to deeper faith or they compelled to a weaker faith. Demonstrate it. Let them see it. Be happy. God is good. And I'm so glad God is good. And you better be happy God is good too. <laughs> this is what the scripture says. Psalm 32, 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's not a command, it's a command not a suggestion. But it says, Delight in the Lord. That's work. That's practice because not every day is delightful. But if we teach our children, if we're real and we say, today I'm being delightful in obedience. I'm being delightful because I trust God. And God says that He will do this for me. Your children will see the real struggle. They'll see the real fate. They'll see the real outcome. And from that, they can draw the conclusion God matters. God serving Serving God matters in my life. Be humble and willing to apologize. When you blow it, go ahead and say, I'm sorry. Let them see in you the humility that you're asking for them to have. I remember a time that 
my mom thought I did something that I didn't do. She wasn't far off, and she would have been wrong most other times, right most other times, but this time she missed it. And as soon as it was over with, in front of the people that she accused me in front of, she looked at me and she said, Son, I'm sorry. It just sounded like you. I thought to myself, she about right. But in this moment, she was wrong. And she apologized. Made a difference. It will make a difference in your kids' lives. Worship together. Come to church. Let them see you be here. Don't lament about the fact, oh no, tomorrow's Sunday. I don't want to go to church, but I guess we ought to because if we don't, we'll get a phone call. That is not going to make them happy about coming to church. It's not going to be the thing that that makes them go, Woo, God is good and I'm going to church. No, you just go to church because you'll get a phone call if you don't. Worship together. Let them see you praising God privately. Let them see you praising God publicly. So let's play out a scenario. You come to church, and the, the worship time is going on. And you don't like the selections that Joy and the worship team have chosen for this week. So you get in the car and you say, that's a pretty good church, but the music vacuums. It's not good today. I don't like how they did it. And then your children hear that conversation. Now all of a sudden they think the purpose of church is so you've got something to talk about during lunch. Or to criticize. That's not what Paul is teaching here. Paul is teaching us to teach them how to worship God. We want to teach them how to worship God when it's not my favorite thing that happened that day. Because remember it's not about who? No, it's, no, you, not me. Please. <laughs> it's not about me. Yes, it's not about us. It's about learning how in everything give thanks. It's learning how to, to teach them, okay, if it's not your preference, then what do we do? One preference would be to join it and help shape it. You model integrity and you uphold standards for everyday holiness. You establish some core values. And the last thing is that you love. You love your children. You help them to know that even if their behavior is disappointing and their actions are not acceptable, that they're yours and that you love them that they can count on you to tell them the truth. That when they blow it, they can count on you to say, you blew it, but I love you. When they do it well, they will, can count on you to be the one that says, way to go, good job. You don't mow down the obstacles because how do we grow phys in physical endurance? By perseverance, by pushing, by having the obstacles, by overcoming them. We grow the same way spiritually and emotionally. Faith 
causes us to endure, helps us to endure. When we endure, we recognize that God is faithful. The more we see God faithful, the further we're willing to go with Him in our lives. Paul has given us, I believe, right here, one of the biggest answers to society is engaged parents instructing their children to understand who is the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for us as a room full of parents and grandparents, mentors and friends, as a church family who's been given the the task of bringing up children to know that you alone are God. Lord, I pray that you will be our help God, we ask you to be our strength. We ask you to deliver us from temptation. And that God, in this place, through the efforts of our preschool and children's ministry, through the efforts of parents and grandparents and mentors and friends. God, that you would raise up young men and women who would not only know that there is a God, but they would know you as their God. That they would learn obedience to you. That they would understand that your way is best always. God, that they would grow up to be young men and women who lead others to know you and rescue others who are perishing and encourage others who are weak to be strong. I don't believe, well I know, the task of parenting cannot be accomplished apart from Christ. So the first step to being a godly parent, and I heard this phrase yesterday that used to be used in this church, do you know that you know that you know that you have given your life to Christ? Do you know that you know that you know That if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You see, because it starts there. In a personal relationship with God through His Son, Christ. Apart from Him, we can do nothing.
perhaps you feel like you're the worst parent in the world. <laughs> and you've, you think, I've blown it. There's no way to bring it back. I don't believe that. I believe that we can bring it back when we bring ourselves back to Christ. When we confess to Him our need for Him. When we confess to Him how the, what are the ways we've blown it. I think this is a, a wonderful time as parents to and grandparents, mentors, friends to just take the name of those that you're responsible for. Take them to the Lord and say, Father, show me how. Help me understand who they are. Show me their hurts. Show me their weaknesses. Show me their strengths. God, show me how to bring this child up For your purpose. In the book of Samuel it says. For this child I've prayed. And for as long as he lives. He will belong to the Lord. If you do not have a church home. You've, you've followed Christ as your savior. You have been baptized as a believer but you don't have a church address. Can we invite you today to join us, to be a part of what we do? We would love to have you. The invitation, the invite is simple. If you don't know Christ, don't delay. Come today, come to Him. Come forward, let us talk with you and about how to accept Christ. If you've not been baptized and today's the day that God said it's time, then you come forward and say, I want to be, I want to follow through with baptism. I want to have a church home. But also it's a chance, and we invite you to come to the altar. It's a chance to bring your children, your grandchildren, those that you have influence over. It's a chance for you to come and cry out to God on their behalf. So, fathers, we have this opportunity to respond. I pray that we would do it in boldness and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand, to sing, to come, to pray.